Hello listeners and welcome to the Monta Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. We return after the summer break with a look at the biggest issue in European, if not global energy markets, the return or not of Nord Stream 1 and the ever-growing likelihood that Russia will fully turn off the taps to Europe. In later episodes, we will discuss the ramifications of such an eventuality, but this week we will delve into current supply and demand developments. Helping me, Richard Sverison, to make sense of the toing and froing over the Nord Stream 1 turbine and much, much more is Yuri Onishkiv of London Stock Exchange Group. A warm welcome to you, Yuri. Thank you for having me, Richard. So, Yuri, you're, you're, you're based in Kiev at the moment, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, and uh, could you maybe give the listeners a bit of an insight what, what daily life there is like? What's it like at the moment in, 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 the, in the capital city of Ukraine? So, yeah, well, uh, it's uh, pretty normal considering the circumstances, as I um, used to say right now, to, um, because every, every of my colleagues in the West is, is wondering how our lives here. But I would say, you know, restaurants are open, um, you know, there's a heavy traffic on the street, uh, banks are, are properly open. But so, yeah, I mean, despite what's happening in the east of the country. So, um, yeah, it uh, has returned to some normalcy, I would say, you know, considering the circumstances, although we, we get... Uh, regular air raid sirens, and then there is a curfew in the city. But other than that, you know, um, it has returned to some some level of normality, which is you know we could see in other capitals on, on, in in Europe. Okay, man, that, that that's that's great to hear. But uh, are there any that are you? What's it like living under this threat of potentially uh, of bombardment or of air raids? Well, I should say I, I, won't, I won't lie; it's uh, a little stressful. Uh, I, I guess not a little more than stressful. Um, so, but you know, people cope with uh, in a different ways. Uh, I guess uh, people, some some uh, leave the city to go to some rural areas where presumably could be made safer. Some go abroad uh, uh, or to the west of the country where again could be presumably safer. It can't be you know 100 safe um, in Ukraine in general. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, my, my focus, I would say my, my savior is uh, I try to focus my work as much as I can. Uh, and that, uh, you know, keeps me off the news, uh, keeps me off the, off, the, uh, off the political news in Ukraine, of the geopolitical news in Ukraine. Uh, so that, that's kind of uh, my, my uh, uh, you know, island of silence, I would say. Well, let's discuss your work in more detail, your, your special subject, which is, uh, you know, the, the European gas market, uh, Yuri. So we're, we're very honoured and very pleased to have you on the pod this week. But, um, you know, we saw yesterday, you know, we had the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, you know, standing for a photographic opportunity in front of the Nord Stream 1 turbine, then Gazprom later talking about, you know, we will, we can't, you know, we can't start the, the, the turbine uh, given the sanction situation, uh, what 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 do you make of this sort of uh, tug of war here, Yuri? Well, this is a very uh, you know symbolic gesture by the German Chancellor, which highlights the importance of of all these Russian flows in general, particularly for Germany. I mean, we we haven't seen this before that you know a German Chancellor would come and visit some spare part being repaired and on its way from point A to point B. But, you know, this is, again, as you, as you rightly said, is a tug of war between the Germany and, and, and Russia and uh, on a broader scale between uh, Europe and Russia uh, um, regarding these Russian flows. And this is just highlights how important 
the Russian um, imports arm for for the broader Europe. Mm, absolutely. Do you, what's your view here? Do you think Gazprom wants uh, the turbine refitted? Do you think it, it it's playing a game here where it's gradually going to ease, you know, or, or, or squeeze the supply so then it, it dwindles to nothing? I think what. Gazprom wants is that, and they've said it uh, um, a few times uh, already, that they want to leave, uh, to have their sanctions, uh, to have Western sanctions lifted um, from Russia and to have uh, Nord Stream 2 launched, uh, to have, you know, business as usual. And that's, that's, that's essentially what they want. And, uh, you know, uh, the turbine is refitted. As we can see, it has been returned from Canada to Germany and is on the way to go to Russia as soon as Russians uh, supply, uh, did, you know, ask for actually that to be brought to Russia. Uh, because it's not like a, <laughs> a courier delivery that you can just uh, put it outside of your uh, mailbox and uh, for, for, the, for the host to pick it up. Uh, it's a little more complicated than that. And this is what they want. And I think that this tug of war regarding the... Uh, turbine is uh, it's just a, a small part of it, and, and the entire decrease in Russian flows is, is a kind of a bigger highlight of what um, you know. Uh, perhaps Gazprom uh, is, is trying to achieve is trying to achieve like a more maybe strategic advantage. Mm. I mean, this maybe this brings me on to my next question, which maybe is slightly loaded, Yuri. But why doesn't Gazprom then use spare capacity on alternative routes to, to offset these cuts on, on Nord Stream 1 if the turbine is the issue? Well, exactly. Uh, we shouldn't be talking about the turbine or the Nord Stream 1 at all. Uh, we should be talking about the supply of gas. Uh, and so you have uh, um, you know, Gazprom as, 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 the, as the only supplier from Russia and you have multiple um, recipients of that gas uh, in Europe. And, you know, we should be talking about the, the ability of Russia to supply that gas to these um, uh, recipients in Europe, and uh, so with 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 all you know capacities that are available, and there are multiple capacities available. You know, you have you have a pipeline through Poland, through Belarus, Poland, and into Germany. You have the pipeline uh, to um, to to uh, to Slovakia from through Ukraine, um, and which are which could uh, fully. Um, offset the decrease uh, of Nord Stream One, and uh, now that's 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 now a bigger question. Why is um, Russia not using this supply? Why are they focusing on the turbine uh, and and, and not Nord Stream One? Uh, and and there's there's no reason clearly uh, why they're not using this. So which is which which brings me on to you know we could be switching discussing politics, uh, but that that essentially is not. Uh, a fundamental supply and um, demand question. It's more of a you know, geopolitical issue. And a question of, you know, what the, the strategy that Gazprom has here, and that's been very obvious maybe since since last autumn, in a sense of, of slowly squeezing uh, the supply. So, you know, it's uh, it was a loaded question, but I think, you know, it, it's part of potentially the long-term strategy and only um, you know, Gazprom headquarters and the Kremlin will, will know the answer to why they don't use that, although we, we can speculate. But um, if we come down to supply and demand fundamentals, Yuri, um, uh, if, if, if Nord Stream 1 stays at 20% capacity, how likely is the EU to meet winter storage targets? Well, um, it would be very difficult to meet these storage targets. Although not impossible, uh, Europe, Europe is already discussing um, 
15% uh, reduction in uh, demand. Uh, yeah, which, which to be fair, will not impact you know the heating or the household uh, demand. It will probably affect mostly uh, industrial, some gas or power demand. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean uh, that alone um, will have uh, storages uh, perhaps just shorter of the 80% uh, fullness that a European Union is targeting uh, by the 1st of November. So they, they would need to, to voluntarily or not voluntarily uh, try to decrease uh, the demand um, in some way. So, but the big question I think here is that even if they, uh, even if they reach that fullness capacity, fullness of, in storages, or they could be sh just short of it, which is, which is already fine in a normal, so to say, setting, but any prolonged uh, kind of you know supply deficit would would make it uh, uh, would just roll over the crisis onto the next summer because by the end of the winter we would end up uh, you know seeing uh, a very depleted storages uh, and uh, there will be a lot of pressure onto the next summer um, for for injections and you know hence why we are seeing this for instance TTF. Um, summer 23 prices trading at a premium to winter 23 uh, prices, which just shows how, how, how the market is perceiving the situation already. Because I mean, normally, normally summer is trading at a, at a discount to winter, uh, but it's not the case uh, right now, which just shows uh, how, how, how kind of, you know, difficult the situation could be not only in this winter, but in the next summer and the winter to come afterwards. So no respite until 2024, 25 even maybe. But, uh, you, know, I, you know, people, you know, experts are saying that the winter is the crunch period. You get through that and you kind of start to see a light at the end of the tunnel, even though summer prices are extremely high. Um, is that the key, getting through the winter? Or, you know, is there, there more to it than that, uh, Yuri? Of course, winter, winters, you know, could be very unpredictable. Uh, it's 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 the weather. It's um, alternative um, supply of of of, um, of energy, like you know the wind generation um, and, and and the entire temperature that is impacting. If we get very cold winter, that would you know, fasten the depletion of the of the storages. Uh, certainly so. And uh, and then you know, for for instance, last winter was kind of mild compared to uh, to what, what it could be. And, and it allowed, uh, you know, kind of save a little um, gas going into the summer. Uh, but, you know, there could be many uncertainties um, throughout the year, <clears throat> like any outages. For instance, in, in the U.S., uh, there was a fire at uh, Freeport LNG and uh, similar things could happen elsewhere. Um, on the flip side, uh, we're seeing um, a decrease in demand in China due to the COVID restrictions and economic slowdown, so which leaves more... LNG cargos um, uh, on the market and, and for Europe to snap up. Uh, so, so there are so there are many many uncertainties and many fluctuations uh, throughout this throughout the year, and particularly in in winter. In winter, this is very acutely felt. Any any smaller or bigger outage, for instance, in Norway, particularly unplanned outage, you know, could you know bring up the spot prices uh, very fast and very high. Mm. And of course, when Norway is pumping gas, you know, at full capacity to Europe uh, and to, uh, to continental Europe and to the UK, then, you know, any small, you know, the, the, the systems that 
at, at, at full stretch, if you like. So any any small glitch and that could, you know, um, send um, this infrastructure into into, you know, some sort of outage situation. So um, but what, you know, for Nord for the EU to meet its winter storage targets, how much does it depend on countries meeting the 50% gas demand cut uh, aim here? You mentioned it. You mentioned it earlier, Yuri. But is that is 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 you know to meet the storage? Do we need to cut demand by by that amount? I think that that two variables to the storage fullness um, equation, so to say. So one is the, the Russian flows. Uh, uh, if they do not pick up um, in in the next weeks um, or so, then. Uh, then the EU would need to um, slow down on cons- consumption in order to, to, to fill up the storages because the rest of the supply routes, uh, so to say, are, are operating at full capacity or even um, uh, above this nameplate capacity. I'm, and I'm talking about uh, Norwegian supplies, talking about um, LNG flows. They have been you know, flowing at very maximum capacity. And, and for, for very economic reasons, because because uh, uh, prices in Europe are so high that Europe has been a preferred market for you know uncommitted LNG cargoes for 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 several months now. Um, so the, the only the only kind of you know flexibility here is in the demand and in in the Russian flows. Uh, so it's either or, um, and and uh, ideally both. Uh, a little bit of uh, you know savings on the demand and and. Uh, and, and some pick up in Russian flows. Do you think that, you know, some countries should impose even more stricter gas demand um, cut targets? I mean, you know, what, what I see lacking a bit, there's some talk of lowering, um, you know, the, the heating by one degree or, you know, wearing more, more warmer clothes. But I, I don't see any sort of radical kind of, the, an urge to to be more efficient and cut energy use across the board, not just in industry, but you know elsewhere. So, do you think some countries should impose stricter targets here to cut demand? Well, uh, Richard, it's hard to really to say because every country is very different. And in EU, some countries are more dependent on on natural gas; others are more dependent on on, on nuclear energy, uh, and, and more like a um, coal fired generation. Um, some are more dependent on Russian gas, some are less. Um, so that really depends on the country. Some countries, uh, you know, uh, could very well go like well be below, well beyond the fifteen percent target, and and uh, that could help, you know, you know, the rest of uh, of Europe uh, on, on on storage <clears throat> injections and essentially on on cons- on consumption uh, targets. Uh, and I think that. Uh, you know, it's it's hard it's hard really to judge and and give prescriptions to each uh, each and every country here. I think that you know essentially every we you know, and in in Brussels they know that uh, this is uh, you know critical for everyone. So everyone will have to you know uh, try to to do whatever everyone can. However, regarding you know the, the turning down the heating demand for households, I'm not very sure that. Um, First of all, this is the path to go. 
uh, and, and second of all, it's feasible to achieve, mainly because of the setup of um, the, the heating uh, throughout Europe in, in different countries, for instance, in Western Europe. You can't just centrally turn down the heating for the entire block of um, like apartments or houses. This is something you can do in Eastern Europe and in the, in the former USSR, like in Ukraine and Russia, where the heating is centrally supplied. And, you know, it has been done in Ukraine, for instance, uh, during some of the, you know, supply deficit uh, it has been turned down centrally and that helped really save the uh, low gas um, for you know a couple of weeks uh, but i'm not sure this is something um, that you know governments in europe will will, will be happy uh, to go into uh, as first steps uh, because you know again this is could be you know very political for the you know the ruling governments yeah I mean, it's it's absolutely. I, as far as I can tell, the the you know, um, my understanding is that the the gas the gas demand cut targets are are voluntary. Um, would you see a move towards more mandatory um, cuts here going forward? Well, that's if if again, I think that is. Uh... The reason I think Europe is is uh, doing this voluntary is because it would be hard to uh, agree upon a mandatory. Uh, you know, since this target appeared, we've already seen several countries saying that you know they're not happy about the the plan to decrease 15, uh, the consumption by fifteen percent. And I think this is, um, in many cases, this is justified because some of them are very reliant on natural gas and they will really have to you know shut down a lot of a lot of uh, consumers and that will really you know uh, hit their economies um, so i think that you know an an effort a joint effort for like voluntary effort is is probably the way to go uh, and essentially maybe that could be the only way to go because uh, you know european union is is uh, you know uh, has, has many many members uh, and you would need to, to, to have a, a joint agreement and uh, it'll be really, really hard to achieve politically. Mm, absolutely. And, and and at this kind of, at this stage, you don't want to sow disunity or discord. You want to ma- maintain a united stand. Um, so we've talking about, uh, you know, a drop in demand. Have you already seen that happen in some areas in Europe and, and where and in what kind of sectors, Yuri? Well, we've seen this happening over the last 12 months already um, um, com- com- compared, compared to the previous years. Uh, and this is mainly, I think, to the elevated gas prices. Uh, we've seen, uh, I think, in, in September and October last year, um, uh, several um, fertilizer uh, businesses uh, have uh, you know, shut down uh, uh, some or most of their production. Uh, we have seen... Um, uh, uh, some uh, bankruptcies uh, in the UK, for instance, uh, among uh, energy suppliers. Some of the you know uh, that they couldn't handle the the, the, the swings uh, in prices already back uh, in last autumn when the prices started to continue to pick up. Actually, not started to pick up. We're forgetting that you know it, it hasn't started this year. It has a long time, a little lo- longer than 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 this year. Um, so so. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a it's a major major thing to be done, and and it probably will likely to continue, maybe even accelerate. But I'm going to ask you a little bit of a difficult question now, Yuri. But do you do you think that Nord Stream One will ever return to full capacity? It's a very very good question, and uh, I had <clears throat> this this kind of keeps me up at night. I would say um, on, the, on on one hand, uh, you know clearly Russians have said that. Uh, 
uh, they uh, they would like to uh, have uh, um, you know sanctions lifted and 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 uh, Nord Stream two launched. Uh, so you don't need to be an analyst <laughs> uh, to see you know what they want because they already say that uh, out loud and many times, uh, particularly recently. You know, for former German Chancellor Gerhard uh, Schroeder. Uh, said about it, and, and and this is coming out of Kremlin uh, directly already. Uh, apart from 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 uh, uh, other other um, you know, people, uh, but uh, I think that uh, this is now essentially, as as I see this, as as, as a waiting game. Um, you know, Russia would would uh, is is trying to <clears throat> achieve their goals by you know um, you know squeezing the supply. Uh, clearly, because there's no justification why they're not using, for instance, the uh, Ukrainian route. Uh, there's book capacity. Um, it's, 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 they're not uh, fully utilized uh, by Russia. Uh, and they can lift sanctions uh, for, the, for this pipeline through Poland. Uh, you know, Gazprom could lift their, Russia could lift their sanctions for the pipeline through Poland, which is why they're not supplying through Poland. And they can, can very well do that. And, uh, but, uh, um, you know, and, and, and Europe is clearly squeezed, um, and we, we can see it by looking at the prices. But on the flip side, in Russia itself, Russia would have to decrease the production by, um, uh, by, by, by you know, a double, double, um, a double figure percentages uh, this year uh, because of these decreased uh, supplies to Europe. Now they are already have. Uh, Recently, they said eighty. They had in storages eighty-one percent of uh, of the gas that they're targeting uh, to have by the winter. So, so in the next couple of uh, in the next you know two three months, Russia would have probably their storages filled up up to the brim, which means that by that uh, time they would need either to lift uh, the supplies to Europe or further decrease their uh, production. And that could have a detrimental effect to their future production because some of the fields are not flexible. They need to be you know, shut down for good. And, and so, so that's, that's a very um, um, you know, difficult situation, not only for Europe, but, but also for Russia. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have much visibility on the Russian balance because most of these figures are not published uh, um, um, as, as, as you know, periodically, as fa- as frequently as in Europe, uh, which is which is we can't really say and, and, and calculate when Russia will achieve the pu- complete fullness in storages, and and there is there is no other route they can uh, put this uh, production. I mean, they can't uh, ship this to China because uh, that pipeline into China is detached from the rest of the system. They can't pump more gas into the domestic market, uh, and and so 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 essentially there will. Uh, be forced again either to pump it into Europe or um, you know decrease uh, production by a lot more. Mm. And then that obviously has a big economic uh, effect on, on them. So that's that's very interesting. So uh, the domestic situation may force Russia to to pump more, and they have to maybe that will uh, supersede more global uh, geopolitical elements here. But um. Yuri, if we can, you mentioned LNG earlier. Um, to what extent do you think LNG will help Europe in achieving sufficient supply this winter, and which from which areas in particular? Well, it, the LNG has been a, a major saver of uh, 
of, of, of Europe uh, in the last uh, half a year, in the last 12 months already. It has, you know, you know the, the, the LNG um, arrivals and sendouts have, uh, you know, I would say, almost tripled. And they have replaced most of uh, what Russia has removed from the market. And, uh, and it will play, I would say, a crucial role uh, this winter and I think in, in years to come. And particularly uh, regarding this um, increase in capacity, in import capacities, because that's, I think, that's the major bottleneck right now for Europe. That it, uh, you know, the, most of the LNG terminals are operating, you know, above their nameplate capacity. So it's not likely that they will have, will be able to, you know, pick up more um, cargos uh, than they already. Um, uh, doing uh, and so the the increase in capacities in this um, uh, floating um, storage and regasification units across Europe, which you know we've seen you know numerous plans about, uh, across across the board in um, Italy, uh, Germany, Greece, and elsewhere that they would need to pick up these capacities, uh, and but that clearly is not going to come uh, perhaps not until next year. So, but again, that that just means that uh, the, the market share of LNG will be very is very important. It will increase its importance, and and um, just look at the historical numbers this year. Most of the increase has come from uh, um, LNG cargos from the United States because that's where most of the uncommitted cargos were coming from, and that kind of coincided with some of the capacity export capacity increases in the United States. Absolutely. I think just to, just to round off the discussion, uh, Yuri, I, I, you know, across Europe, there are mainly, you know, we are in a, in a, in a perfect storm of very ba- bullish factors. We have, you know, problems at French nuclear plants. We have uh, high temperatures and low water levels in both Germany and France. We have very low reservoirs in the Nordic region. Um, you know, it's all pointing to high prices. You know, that that's without the Nord Stream or the, the supply gas supply from Russia uh, problems here. So are there any factors which could point to, you know, could you pressurize prices downwards and what would they be? I think that the market is currently and in, has been uh, for a few months already very, very sensitive to any news, uh, uh, mainly on the bullish side, but also on the bearish side as well. So any pickup in, uh, in production, uh, for instance, in the Dutch production, in the UK production, um, any, any, any indications of, uh, of, of uh, any bearish drivers or any indications of the bearish drivers like this, um, um, implementation of this plan for um, consumption uh, cuts um, uh, could could send very um, bearish signals to the market and could kind of suppress prices, um, um, you know, for some time. And and that 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 will play a very uh, you know strong um, signal to the market. Okay, Yuri, thank you very much for joining the Monta Weekly Podcast this week. Um, all the best to you and to, to you and your family in, in Kiev. Thank you very much, Richard. So, listeners, you can now follow the podcast on our own Twitter account, aptly named the Monta Weekly Podcast. Please direct message any suggestions, questions, or, you know, let us know if you, if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show. You can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com. 
Lastly, remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on Montel News. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you and goodbye.